and welcome to another edition of Sports with Yosef. I'm Yosef Nesinser. Free agency has started. What has happened? Why has it happened? And what still needs to happen for both the Baltimore Ravens and other teams around the National Football League? More on that as the Ravens have signed a right guard who will be coming in and starting, barring injury in week one. We'll also talk about well, some of the issues that I brought up last episode, we'll continue a little bit more on that. Ravens Super Bowl winning quarterback, he has a new home and one of the greatest to ever take the MLB field. Well, what an impressive stat he has. We'll talk a little bit more about that all coming up and much, much more on Sports with Yosef. Last episode, I focused on issues and problems with the Baltimore Ravens and what needed to happen, but I wasn't really offering solutions. I was offering vague solutions. I'll sign a wide receiver. Yeah, but maybe not, but you got the right card. Okay, so I don't digress from what I was saying. Those were real issues. But the fun part about me as a guy who doesn't have to try to fix the issue is that I don't have to deal with the salary cap. I don't have to deal with temper and anger and dealing with different players and coaches and playing that balancing act. I don't have to deal with that. So all those issues that I spoke about, I can guarantee you Eric DaCosta knew about. And not because he's listening to this podcast, but more because he knows those issues, but he also knows much more than those issues. And the Ravens, they knew they had to fix their offensive line. And before free agency started, they signed someone. How does that work? Well, Kevin Zeitler, the New York Giants right guard, was cut. So he was available to be signed before free agency. So the Ravens signed him, Kevin Zeitler. He is now in Baltimore. Phenomenal right guard. And he actually came to Baltimore because of the Ravens' last phenomenal right guard, Marshall Yanda. Marshall Yanda talked to Kevin Zeitler and actually was saying, hey, I mean, this is your system. You would really like it here. You should, you should um, come down to Baltimore. And Kevin Zeitler talked about that advice to the press. And he's in Baltimore. He's played in the AFC North before. He knows what it means to, to be a Baltimore Raven. He knows what it's like to have to deal with that. It's a three-year deal, $22 million, 16 fully guaranteed. And while this is not a massive deal, which is good, it's a deal which is really going to solidify that offensive line because now we're talking about Orlando Brown, Bradley Bozeman, and Kevin Zeitler, three guys who you know are going to be playing well on every snap. You've got an issue at center. You've got a question marker right tackle with Orlando Brown, who has still not yet been traded, and to be honest, I don't think he will. I don't think the Ravens get enough of an offer for him, and I think he stays in Baltimore for one season and walks, unless the Ravens can figure out a way to make the salary cap work, in which case he does not walk, and they sign him to a long-term deal. But... Zeitler coming in, and this was big from the Ravens. They didn't try to make this splashy move. No, but this was a move which is going to fix a very big issue. I talked about the sacks. I talked about Lamar Jackson being under pressure. Well, they fixed that issue. That was great to see. And I love to tell you about all the other great moves the Ravens did in free agency. But those didn't happen. Because after that, Ravens did nothing. But before we get up to the present, I want to talk. I have some quotes for you. I think I might have talked a little bit about Steve 
uh, David Colleen, Steve Smith Sr. And their quotes about the Ravens' offense. And the Ravens need a wide receiver. We know that. They, they need more than they have. And Steve Smith, he criticized the Ravens' passing attack, I don't know, after the playoffs lost to the Bills, I think. He said, quote, My six-year-old, who is asleep right now, can probably run this offense as well. Well, that doesn't speak well about Greg Roman and the offense he runs. David Cully, the Ravens' passing coordinator, who said Lamar is being limited in their scheme. I mean, duh, kinda. I mean, they run the ball a lot. So the passing tag is based around that, but it does need to develop. It does need to get better. We know that. We've talked about it on the show. But then Des Bryant came out over the weekend. And he was basically saying, and he said, again, quote, all of this Lamar Hayden, this was on Twitter, is starting to get on my nerves. Just know I got to see firsthand what he have to deal with. Him playing, him being able to play quarterback is far from the issue. And there were, at the pauses, a whole bunch of periods in there. But Lamar Jackson's not the issue. The issue is his weapons. The issue is the scheme. And the Ravens, they still need to address that. They didn't sign a wide receiver yet. They've not had the guts to fire Greg Roman. And that's an issue. And that's an issue that I think could come back to bite them. But... And I, I was going to record last night. Something came up. I couldn't record. And I say last night, uh, March 22nd. So, but I did hear an exclusive interview with John Harbaugh with, um, from Baltimore sports talk show host Jerry Coleman on 105.7 The Fan. And Harbaugh said that it's, it's never about one guy. And teams that go and say, oh, we just need that one guy and we're there. It's those teams that fall apart. And, he, and Harbaugh's right. And this was in my notes before the, I heard the Harbaugh quote. But the Ravens cannot be contented to sign one a free agent wide receiver and then say, oh, we're good now. I, we still don't, we don't need to draft a receiver in the first on day one or day two in the draft. No, that's not how it's going to need to work. The Ravens will need to sign a free agent receiver. And we'll talk about who I think they should sign, who they're, who they're talking to, who they're not talking to. And they need to sign a free agent receiver. And then you know what needs to happen? The Ravens need to go and on day one or day two of the draft, draft a wide receiver. It can be day one. It could be day two. I don't think it'll make a huge, I mean, it will make a huge difference. But obviously it's going to be depending on who is there at their slot. And one of the, players who the Ravens have been looking at in free agency who actually came to town today and left without a contract, which doesn't bode well. But Sammy Watkins. Sammy Watkins, he's been frequently connected to Baltimore uh, because he's played with Keith Williams and Greg Roman. He put up uh, over 1,000 yards and 9 touchdowns under Greg Roman in 2015. Watkins, who is 27, his main knock against him is injuries. He's had a bunch of soft core tissue issues, soft tissue injuries. And the Ravens actually have a very good um, training staff who are going to, who would be very good at addressing that. That it's actually one of their strengths. But here's the thing about Sammy Watkins. Sammy Watkins, who was on the Chiefs, went to the Super Bowl and won it last year. Went to the Super Bowl and lost it this year. He was targeted on a deep ball one time. It was a 38-yard incompletion. 
Now, let, let's keep in mind that Patrick Mahomes did have Travis Kelsey, did have Tyreek Hill, did have Nicole Hardman. But the majority of Watkins' work does come in the middle of the field. 61.6% of his 55 targets came in the short middle and intermediate middle of the field. He caught 80. So that's right where the Ravens' skill set is. Now, is does that mean that that's what the Ravens need to be looking at and that's where they should be signing him? Because here's the issue. Sammy Watkins, okay, you work in the middle of the field, well, so does Mark Andrews. How's that going to work out? Now, we've talked about drops. He has a very high 85.7% catch rate of catchable targets. So maybe not really high, but high. And his 63.7 positive success rate was 17th in the NFL. Now, again, Watkins could be part of the solution, but he is not the solution. And it's not like he was actually the Ravens' first target. The Ravens, they tried to get Juju Smith-Schuster. Ravens offered him a deal with incentives would have gone up to $13 million. The Chiefs offered about $9 million, and the Steelers offered $8 million. And the And Juju Smith-Schuster took up the Steelers on their offer, which was a surprise. He turned down two more lucrative offers. Again, all were one-year deals, but to stay in Pittsburgh for now. So, I mean, my issue with Smith-Schuster was, number one, I don't know that how, how good he really is. He doesn't really create separation. And he really did really well with Antonio Brown there. And he's not been great ever since. The other issue is he, he does what he does well is out of the slot. And again, the Ravens have Devin DuVernay. They have James Prochet. They have Mark Andrews, all of whom who can and do work from the slot. How's that, how would it have worked if Smith Schuster came in? The Ravens tried to get uh, made an offer to Kenny Galladay, who ended up signing with the Giants for $18 million. The Ravens weren't going to pay $18 million for him. I could have told you that. The Ravens don't have that much, that even $18 million in cap space, I don't believe. But the Ravens did try to go after some other wide receivers, and they came up short on those two. Sammy Watkins, he left town today. He's visiting when I release the podcast. It'll be tomorrow, today, whatever it is. He's visiting the Colts, and he's probably going to try to start a bidding war. Now, it's an issue that he didn't leave Baltimore with a contract because to be able, for that kind of player, you're, you got to have him leave your facility with a contract if you want to be able to keep him. I'm not saying he won't be able to stay, but it, that is very damaging and very indicative of the fact that the Ravens maybe will not be able to sign Sammy Watkins. But there's some other guys the Ravens could go after. John Brown, he played with the Ravens in 2018, played with Joe Flacco, played with Lamar Jackson, was part of that transition from for, running forty, from passing 40 times a game to running 40 times a game. He's a free agent. He could come down to Baltimore. He would give, again, he's a, a slot guy, but he gives the Ravens some big playability down the field type of receiver. I'd be okay with that. Another guy the Ravens could go after and I don't know that they will, and I don't think that they will, but just to play devil's advocate here, Antonio Brown. Antonio Brown, he worked out with Lamar Jackson last offseason. He's cousins with Marquise Hollywood Brown. So you've got the family ties. He's worked out with Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson kind of lobbied for him to come in. He's still a free agent. Maybe the Ravens give Antonio Brown a shot. How good's Antonio Brown? How good's John Brown? I don't know. But... Those are some other guys the Ravens could go after. Tim Patrick, formerly of the Denver Broncos. He's an, an intriguing option. 
And the Ravens have some guys on roster who are partially the answer. And Devin DuVernay and James Prochet, Hollywood Brown looks like he could be legit number one if he can continue the way he was playing the second half of the season. Miles Boykin, I'm not liking the chances. Maybe they move Miles Boykin to tight ending. Then, because we know the Ravens need more two tight end sets. But, and so I talk, those are some things that the Ravens might do. But here's something the Ravens did. They cut LJ Fort. And LJ Fort is, was, was there, he came in with Josh Bynes in week five. Signed after the week four game against the Browns in 2019. And he came into Baltimore. And he turned around the linebacking core. It would not be unfair to say that if LJ Ford and Josh Bynes do not come in, the Ravens don't make the playoffs. They don't go 14-2. and For sure don't go 14-2, and and I don't know that they make the playoffs. They probably do in the end. But LJ Ford came in and turned around the middle linebacking in corps with Josh Bynes. And the Ravens cut him. And this is a move done for cap space. It gave a little bit of cap space. But it hurts because it, it, it creates another void for the Ravens. Are the Ravens saying that Malik Harrison is ready to step up? Are they saying that Malik Harrison is going to be a starter? They got Chris Board, and he's done well recently. In the last couple of years, he's, always, he's been getting better and better. So you maybe you say Chris Board, you say Patrick Queen. Is Patrick Queen a three-down linebacker? Because he wasn't in 2020. He's not there yet. But do the Ravens think he'll be ready in the offseason to become a three-down linebacker? To maybe even get the green dot, albeit Chuck Clark is doing a great job with it right now. But it hurts to cut LJ Fort. Because LJ Fort, he played like a Raven. He had a he was very underrated. His impact was underrated, but he had a huge impact throughout the course of games. And he will be missed. And I was surprised that the Ravens cut him before they signed someone, before they had to make cap space. That surprised me a little bit. Because I would, if, if I'm Eric DaCosta, I would wait until after I signed someone and say, oh, yeah, I guess I'm going to need a little bit more room. Sorry, LJ4. And I would have highlighted LJ4 before, and I said, all right, uh, you're on the chopping block, but I wouldn't have cut him until I had someone who's going to take over that cap space. And maybe he was doing it so LJ Ford would be able to sign with another team, and he's not done that yet. Maybe he would do it so he had better chances at the beginning of free agency. I don't know. And it could be that's the reason. But Ravens have a void now at middle linebacker. So we'll need to keep an eye on that for the future. But let's talk a little bit about outside linebacker. Because that was the other real void and that the Ravens had. We talked about offensive line. We talked about wide receiver. Well, outside linebacker. What are their options? Here is one. There, And there are a couple. Melvin Ingram, veteran. He played against the Ravens in the playoffs in 2018, Lamar Jackson's first playoff game, where, he beca- where Lamar became the youngest quarterback to ever start a playoff game. And he's a veteran. He knows how to do it. He knows how to play. I think the Ravens could fit him in in their cap space. They could definitely fit him in. It's a one-year deal, and I get that. But it gives them some room. It gives them some room to work with because, well, let's take a, let, let's take a little bit more uh, an official look at this Ravens offseason. Cut LJ Fort. They 
traded for a tight end, Josh Oliver. And they traded him for the Jaguars. If he makes the roster, the Jaguars get a 2022 uh, seventh-round draft pick. But if he doesn't make the roster, they don't get anything. Talked about Kevin Zeitler. They re-signed Tyus Bowser. It's a four-year, $22 million deal. Could be up worth up to $27 million, $12 million guaranteed. And by the way, with this season, uh, season is now <laughs> the season is over, and Tyus Bowser was the best coverage outside linebacker in 2020, by far. Not only did he lead all outside linebackers in coverage snaps, he a lot of passer rating in, in against of under 55. He is phenomenal in coverage. Pernell McPhee resigned to a one-year deal. Justin Ellis resigned to a one-year deal. Derek Wolf resigned to a three-year, $12 million deal. It will pay him $6.5 million in 2021. Not the way you normally structure that. So it's going to create cap space down the road. But not much. But it eats up a little bit of space this year. You wonder if that's going to come into play with Lamar Jackson contract down the road. But Melvin Ingram will be a nice option and outside linebacker to come into Baltimore. I think another interesting option is Eric Wilson, a former undrafted rookie. Wilson was a full, became a full-time starter last year. Six foot one, two hundred thirty pounds, hundred twenty-two tackles, three sacks, three interceptions, two fumble recoveries. Here's the issue: he might be too expensive. Another guy who I don't want, and I, and I want Eric Wilson. I just I'm worried about the price. Uh, I'm, I'd be happy with El Melvin Ingram. Again, it, they're a Band-Aid. It's a Band-Aid situation. Because the Ravens don't have the cap space to have a long-term situation. The draft has to be the long-term. But a guy I don't want, Jadavian Clowney, I think he's A, too expensive. And I understand that his impact is really felt. And it, it's not in the stat sheet, but it, it's the way he he's, does a lot more than the stat sheet says. And... It's whether it's forcing the running back to cut back inside because Clowney's there. There's a whole bunch of things Clowney does that just don't appear on the stat sheet. But here's the issue with Clowney. He's a rush linebacker. I want, I, I, I'm worried about that. I think the Ravens need more Sam backers, especially with Matthew Judon no longer in Baltimore. And we'll talk more about that later on. And Clowney's still on the market. He was on the market a long time last year. We'll see where he ends up going. But he didn't really impress me in Tennessee this year. Uh, so I think the Ravens could probably figure out. First off, he might be too expensive, but I think the Ravens could probably make it work. But I don't know. I, I'm not loving it. I, I'm not loving it at all. But here's something I am loving. Calais Campbell and Brandon Williams had a classy move where they took pay cuts leaving $3.5 million between the two of them on the table. Now, normally, in a when a team asks a player, hey, are you willing to restructure your contract a little bit? What normally happens, they push the payment, the payment due to down the road. You'll say, okay, 2021, you were going to make $30 million. How about you make $15 million in 2021? We'll, we'll, and then we'll... Put that extra $15 million in 20, $5 million in 2022, $5 million in 2023, $5 million in 2024. That would be, say, your standard restructure. That's not what these guys did. That's not what Brandon Williams and Clarence Campbell did. They took pay cuts. Now, there are, report, there are reports coming in that, one report, I should say, that they could 
get the money back from incentives. Now, there are going to be a couple incentives where they could get the money back, but in but, and if that's the case and they make that their incentives, that would count against the cap in 2022. But very classy move from Brandon Williams and Clayus Campbell, and I can tell you one thing. I really do believe that those two being willing to do that, that's why the Ravens were able to bring back Derek Wolf in that interior of the defensive line, an interior defensive line that shut down Derrick Henry. And that Ravens now have $12 million in cap space. Let's keep in mind they need a, some money to sign some draft picks. And the rest, yeah, free agency. Or not. We'll see how the Ravens go there. But one team who did have a spending spree in free agency was the New England Patriots because they want to contend. And I understand the AFC East, you've got the Bills there, but the Patriots saying, you know what? We're not done. $159.8 million in guaranteed money. That's what they spent in free agency this year. Uh, let's go through, through some of the big ones. Quarterback, Cam Newton. It's, I don't know, $8.5 million. Uh, it's a contract worth up to $13.6 million, a base value of five point one, and $8.5 million in incentives. Wide receiver Nelson Aguilar, two-year contract, $26 million. Base salary, 11 per year with $2 million in incentives. Wide receiver Kendrick Bourne, three-year deal, $22.5 million. Tight end Hunter Henry, three-year, $37.5 million. 25 fully of those, $37.5 fully guaranteed. This was a big one. Tight end Johnny Smith, four-year, $15 million deal. $31.25 million fully guaranteed. We talked about two tight ends how, how that's key Bill Belichick he knows it it's not enough to have one he needs John o. Smith he needs and Hunter Henry can't be content with one always got to be getting better and I like that from the Patriots who again with Cam Newton you're going to be focusing a little bit more on the run so two tight end you're going to use more two tight end formation so I, I really like that move there by New England on the offensive line Trent Brown they, get, they traded for him, signed David Andrews to a four-year, $19 million deal. Defensive end, and I'm going to mispronounce this, Dietrich Weiss, four-year contract worth up to $30 million. Defensive tackle, Devon Godshaw, two-year deal 16, worth up to $16 million. This is an, another big one. Former Raven, linebacker Matthew Judon, four-year, $56 million deal, $32 million over the first two years. And Judon's worth every penny of it. And the Ravens were not going to be able to sign him. And he went to New England. He went to a team that's looking to contend. I don't know if they can yet. We'll talk a little bit more about that later. But glad to see Judon getting paid. Linebacker Kyle Van Noy, two-year contract, $13.2 million. Safety Jalen Mills, four-year, $24 million. And those were only the big ones. There were some other ones as well that came up for the Patriots. And then obviously, what happens when the Patriots do that? Well, the Jets, they get worried, so they have to respond. So they signed Corey Davis to a three-year, $37.5 million deal. Carl Lawson, three-year, $45 million deal. And bottom line is the AFC East is going to be more competitive than I have ever seen it before. You've got the Patriots with this spending spree. They're contenders again in the AFC East. you got the Bills. They were a quarter away, or half away from playing in the Super Bowl. You've got... Now the Jets, they're putting some money. Now, what's going on down there in Miami? It looks like they've got some pieces around, well, who's their quarterback? Everything but the quarterback, possibly? Are they going to 
from really buying to Tua Tingavaloa after Ryan Fitzpatrick signed with the Washington football team. We'll talk more on that later. So we buying into Miami. Are we saying that there are four teams that could be competing? Two teams that are quarterback, I think, are quarterback away in the Jets and Dolphins in the AFC East, a quarterback away from contending for a playoff spot. Keep in mind, Dolphins almost almost made it this year. AFC is going to be fun to watch. But so is the NFC East because the Giants, they had a huge offseason. Extended defensive lineman Leonard Williams. Signed wide receiver Kenny Galladay. Signed cornerback Adoree Jackson. Signed tight end Kyle Rudolph. Signed wide receiver John Ross. Signed linebacker Reggie Ragland. Signed defensive end Ifadi Odingibo. I don't know how to pronounce that. Signed running back Devontae Booker. Odenigbo. Odenigbo. Ifadi Odenigbo. And let's keep in mind, they also have the 11th pick in the draft. And I think, like the Dolphins, like the Jets, they're a quarterback away. They're close. They're a quarterback away. And we'll see what happens. But the NFC East is also going to be fun. you got the Cowboys. They're revamped. They did sign Dak Prescott. They're there. And that's a, that was a, that's a lethal passing attack when healthy. Washington, they bring in Ryan Fitzpatrick. They bring in Curtis Samuel. Let's not forget about Tyler Heineke, who played head-to-head with Tom Brady in the playoffs. So that they're going to be a fun team to keep an eye on. Then you've got the Eagles. Jalen Hurts, he's got to show he can throw the football. And I don't know that he can. I've not seen it yet. Lamar Jackson proved he can throw the football with any quarterback in the league, barring Patrick Mahomes. Jalen Hurts has to be able to prove that if I want to, if you want me to be able to bind to the fact that he is a long-term NFL quarterback. And yes, the running game and the trick options and stuff like that, they work, and I understand that. But And they maybe they'll even get you into pl- to the playoffs, but I don't think they do because I think the good teams, they figure out a way to stop that. And I, I can tell you how to stop it, but it comes down to execution. It comes down to gap discipline, th- that those things that the – NFC East defenses are really bad at, so I think they can the Eagles do well in NFC East matches. But beyond that, it's, it might be a battle for them. But in the NFC East, like the AFC East, it's going to be a lot of fun. Let's talk about some other NFL news. When Mark Ingram signed with the Texans, Yannick Ngakwe signed with the Raiders, two years, $36 million. Just saw this before I went on to record. Joe Flacco going to his hometown, signing with the Eagles. So good to see there for Joe getting another shot. And I, I think he's going to be, I mean, to barring what happens to Jalen Hurts, he's got a shot at a starter's gig, you would think. I, I don't know that it's he's there yet, but I think he's going to have a shot. He wasn't all that bad when we saw him play with the Jets. Flacco grew up right like 20 miles from the stadium, 20 minutes from the stadium, I forget which. And Good to see him back in Philadelphia. You know, somewhere he's probably always wanted to play. So I've got a couple random stats, which I want to share with you. And number one is in Albert Pools, just appreciation. Albert Pools, he's led the league in home runs twice. Fifth most home runs in MLB history. First ballot Hall of Famer guaranteed. And... Home run hitters, you know that what happens to home run hitters. Chris Davis, both with the C, both with the K. Aaron Judge, who, um, let's put some other names on this list. Um, home run hitters, Nelson Cruz. Who else is left? Mark Trumbo, who's led the league recently in home runs. Edwin Encarnacion, Jose Bautista, Giancarlo Stanton. I mean, Christian Yelich. There are a lot of names. But what's the knock against home run hitters? Well, they strike out. 
a lot. Well, Albert Pujols has never struck out 100 times in a season. Unreal. Literally unreal. Because striking out in a season 100 times per home run hitter, that's par for the course. That's par for the course for most MLB players. Albert Pujols, no. Never done it. I think he's in his 21st season now. Unreal how good he is. And, I mean, when I saw that set, I was just like, whoa. And then here's another one. And this one's definitely more of a Lamar Jackson one. And the rest of this list are Lamar Jackson ones, actually. But is, and there, there's one player in NFL history, and I kind of ruined it already. One player in NFL history who's won 37 games. Excuse me. In who, in his first 37 career starts, has a passer rating of over 100. And a winning percentage of at least 800. It's Lamar Jackson. He's a passer. He's a quarterback. And he wins. The Ravens It's the Ravens have never had an issue with signing free agents. It's never going to be an issue with bringing free agents to Baltimore. People want to play with Lamar Jackson because he wins. The issue is the salary cap. So we'll see how that all goes down with the salary cap. Which you can only get creative to a certain point. But I guarantee you. Salary cap's going up. There's the new, the, there was a new TV deal with all the NFL networks. The teams will be getting a check of, starting in 2023, of $300 million. And that check's coming in before the season starts, guaranteed every year. The salary cap's going to go up. And, by the way, that $300 million is coming in before ticket revenue, before merchandise, before any of that. Just $300 million, just like that. Unreal. How big the NFL is. Another interesting part of that a new a deal was that Amazon Prime is going to be the only host, the only way to watch starting again in 2023 Thursday Night Football. And Amazon Prime, I saw this stat earlier, but they had on they were broadcasting the Thursday Night Football as well as Fox over the last couple of years, and CBS, whoever was doing it, as that's constantly switched off. But there was about they got about 4 million viewers per minute or something like that, which you're normally going to see about 18 million viewers per minute uh, for NFL games. And I understand it's Thursday Night Football, which has generally been less popular, which is why we've seen it go through NBC, ESPN, uh, CBS, Fox. I mean, we were, maybe not ESPN, actually. I think just the other three. And now Amazon Prime's going to have their shot to turn it around. But they don't have broadcasters. They don't have, they, they don't, they've never had to produce it. They're producing the game now. So we'll see how that goes down and it'll be a lot of fun to watch but we'll also see well how many people actually tune in because if you you can only do it if you've got an amazon prime membership maybe they'll have a pay per watch service it'll be interesting to see lamar jackson ranked seventh in depth adjusted accuracy out of 31 qualifying quarterbacks in 2020 63.9 percent better than patrick mahomes Better than Russell Wilson, better than Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson. He's a passer, he is a quarterback, and he is one of the best of the business. And I think he wins another MVP before the season go before he's done with his career. Because what he does with his arm and what he does with his legs, unreal. And here's an issue with the Ravens. The Ravens have have long for a long time struggled with getting and developing wide receivers. And, and tight ends. 21 wide receivers or tight ends have caught 60% or more of their targets. This is with a minimum of 50 passes. The top 9 of those 21 are all tight ends. 
Six of the 21 are wide receivers. That's it. Mark Andrews, Nick Boyle, Willie Sneed, and Marquise Brown are all on the list. That doesn't say a lot about the Ravens and their development of wide receivers. And there's there's some new blood in the building. Well, with David Cully out and a couple a couple of those guys. There's some new blood in the building. We'll see how it works out. Maybe the Ravens will be able to turn that around. But that is a glaring issue and has been for a while with the Ravens. And I'll be honest, I wouldn't be surprised if the Ravens bring Willie Sneed back. Just after mentioning him, just because I mean, Ravens just bought back, you know, Stone on a one-year deal. But the thing with Snead, and the reason they might not bring him back is because of the slot. Well, he, he knows the system. He kn- he knows the slot. He works well with Lamar Jackson. The issue is they've got Devin DuVernay. They've got Mark Andrews. They've got James Prochet. If they bring in a guy like a John Brown type of player who also can play in the slot, I don't know if they've got enough slots to put him in. And when I mean slot, it's, oh gosh, how do I explain this? Well, you know what? Here's how I'll, I will try to explain this because first, just make sure check out my podcast, Sports with Yosef, Spotify, all of the previous episodes. You know where to listen to it. But I'm in the middle of creating a video of every play, a film breakdown of every play of the Ravens-Browns game. And I think I talked about it in the last episode on this podcast. And you will see what the slot is on there. But it's not all the way out Side the numbers on the football field. It's not all the way right next to the offensive lineman. It's somewhere in the middle. That's a slot. But so keep an eye, ear out, eye out, ear and eye out for that a video. It's gonna definitely be at least another month. Um, but hopefully getting closer. Check out all of my videos on Sportscaster. All of my articles: Rocky and Meisty, Tackler, Flurry, Sports, Sportscaster News. I know it's a lot of sites. But I made it easy for you by creating a website, yosefm613.com, where you can subscribe and get email updates every time I post new content. So make sure to do that as well as checking me out on Twitter at yosefm613. I'm sure the Ravens are going to be making more moves. They're trying to make sure that they're the best they are. But they also know that it's not one man is the solution. It's a multiple, they need multiple issues. They They have multiple issues. They need to fix multiple issues. And they're working on it. And as the phrase goes around Baltimore, in Eric DeCosta, we trust. There, the Ravens front office has been so good at figuring out ways to have a, a competitive team in Baltimore. The Ravens will be competitive even if they don't fix these issues. But to win a Super Bowl, some of these issues do need to be fixed. And I am looking forward to seeing how the Ravens do that. And I think a lot of it will happen on draft day. Thanks for listening to this episode of Sports with Yosef. I'm Yosef Miss Center. I'll see you next time.